this new month, we are starting a new theme. Our theme for this month is the Kingdom Family. And it's all part of our year's theme on restoration, that we want to see biblical uh, values restored to the family, biblical foundations restored to the family as well. So we're going to talk about the Kingdom Family. Next slide, please. I pronounce you husband and wife. Let's look at the scriptures, okay? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, and that's where we start. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, the scripture says this, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Now, some of these thoughts are coming from um, the late Miles Monroe, I think he had some very, very insightful stuff to say. And so I, I picked up some points, I added my own, and of course through 35 years of experience, um, just to share these things with you this morning. Now first of all, God planted a garden in Eden. Eden is really a spot, alright? It's a delightful spot. It's the place where God came and God was. So God did that, right? He planted a garden in Eden, and the Bible says, and there, and there He placed the man. Next slide. And there He placed the man. The first thing, next slide please, the first thing we find here is this, all right? That God, the first thing God does is, is the most important, um, important thing that a man needs is the presence of God. Because that is where God put the man, where he was, where he would come. All right? So before a man, the first thing, the most important thing a man needs, before a man can even think that he needs a wife, what he really needs first is the presence of God. He must be found there. He must be found in the presence of God. And you know what? When a man is in the presence of God, that is where the woman must find him. So listen, for those of you who are not married, huh? if you want to look for a good man, you look for a, good, a man who is found in the presence of God. And you can't go wrong. All right? So that is where the woman must find him. And this was where Eve met Adam. All right? Next. We go on, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. To tend and to watch over it. See, the next thing, the second thing that God did was God gave instructions to the man to work. All right, man had to work. Now, God gave man work before the woman. All right? Get this, huh? Before you find work, don't waste time, lah. Right. Okay? All right? So, God told man to work. A man needs to get a job before he can get a woman. Next, then God asked him to cultivate. He said to tend to the garden. 
All right? Uh, the old language says work. The, the NLT says tend. And I like that word because tend gives the connotation that the man has to cultivate. He has to bring the best out of everything that, is, that surrounds him, that is around him, to maximize the potential that he sees around him. Right? That is the job of the man, to maximize the potential, to make everything around you fruitful and productive. And so this is where sometimes those of us who are looking, okay, I know some of you take the scriptures literally when the Bible says watch and pray. So you're looking around while you pray. All right? So now, Understand this, because our job is to cultivate. God never gives a man a finished woman. You get that? He never gives a man a finished woman. Because that, that woman that you have in your mind, it's in your mind. It's a figment of your imagination. What God does give us, God gives us a man fit for us. But our job is to nurture her, to nourish her, and to make her into the person that we, you know, that we desire her to become. Alright? Now, listen very carefully. The day I got married, 35 years ago, as I stood at the aisle and see, seeing my bride walk up, I was given a name. And that name should have stuck for all of us who are married. The latest is Joel. Alright? Uh, for all of us who are married, we were given a name on our wedding day. What's our name? Sorry? Bride, groom. Alright? That word simply means our business and our job is to groom our brides. Can you understand? And that it's a title, an honorific title that we carry for the rest of our lives. Our job is to groom our brides, to keep her as vivacious, as beautiful, as wonderful uh, as she was on the day she walked down the aisle. That is what it means. Our job is to take the raw materials that we married. And of course, our wives also marry raw materials, huh? but I will talk about the wives in a bit. But we, our job is to take the raw materials that we married and to cultivate it. Now, you think that this sounds very sexist. It sounds very chauvinistic. It's not. It's a biblical model. See, Jesus also talks about his bride. All right? Jesus also talks about his bride. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loves his bride. His bride is the church. And, and, uh, and Paul says this, huh? but he's talking about Jesus as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. That is how much the, hu the, the husband should love his wife, as Christ loved the church. That means the husband doesn't think of himself, he thinks of his wife. He's consumed with his wife. His wife, it's why, it's, it's why he does what he does, okay? I mean, of course, at the end of the day, it's because he's honouring God. But he honours God in the way he takes care of his wife. So as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up to her, now this part, to make her holy, 
cleansing her by the washing with water, all right, and the word, through the word, and then, and to present her to himself as a radiant bride without stain, without wrinkle, uh, without blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, Christ grooms his bride. Christ, the, the, the bride comes to Jesus, of course, bought by the blood and all that, but still, Christ has to wash her. Christ has to, you know, uh, cultivate, build her, you know, encourage her, so that in the end, she can be presented to Him without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. This is something that is ongoing now, even in our own lives. We are part of the, part of the church, Right? And, and it is something that happens. So the husband's job isn't done the day he gets married. It's just starting. He is the groom of his bride. So the raw materials, the church, we came to Jesus broken. And, and th those are the raw materials. And God takes those raw materials and God makes something beautiful of it. And it's a process. It's a process. And so same thing with the husband with his wife. Next, we read verse 15, that God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Verse 16, But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now the fourth thing that God told Adam is to guard. He has to guard. He told man to guard that which is entrusted to him. He was entrusted the garden. All right? And later he was entrusted this woman that, will be, that is his wife. And he is to guard what is entrusted to him. This means he has to protect. All right? He has to protect Eve as well. And so he, God warns him about this garden, and so his job is to protect Eve. Verse 16, the Lord God warned him. The Lord God warned him. You see, the fifth thing is this. God instructed Adam. All right? God instructed Adam about the tree. Please note, huh? he told the man to guard. He never told the woman about the tree. The man was the one who got the word of God. His job is to tell his wife. His job is to teach his wife. His job is to, 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 to share with his wife what God has told him. That is his job. So, you see, this is where a lot of Christian families fail. Because the man doesn't step up to his responsibility. The man wants to be the boss of the house, but he doesn't take up the responsibility. He thinks being the boss simply means earning the cash, earning the dough and putting it on the table. Putting food on the table. That's not it at all. That's part of it. The man's job is also to take on the divine assignment given to him to lead his family, to lead his wife. That is part of the man's job. Because the word 
the instructions will come to the head of the home, the head of the family, the man. And then the scripture tells us, uh, we read verse 18 says, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. It's not good for the man to be alone. Some versions say it's not good for this man to be alone. So the question is, what man? What man? (coughs) What man? Well, as we have done just now, as we have gone through, the man is this, the man who prospers in God's presence. That man, the man who's found in the presence of God, the man who's prospering in the presence, in, in in God's presence, in the presence of God. The man who is productive, that man. The man who is at work, the man who is responsible, the man who, who, who ensures that he is hardworking, that man. The man who provides, that man. The man who, who, not, who, who not only provides food, not only provides the dough, but the man who provides everything that is needed to ensure that the home is well taken care of. The man who protects, that man. The man who would step in front of danger before his family. The man who would lay his life down for his wife. The man as Christ loved the church and laid his life down. That kind of man, the man who protects. And also the man who preaches and practices the Word of God. He not only tells his wife, he himself is a practitioner of the Word of God. That man. All right? So, the Lord looks at the man and the Lord said, it is not good for this man to be alone. Now, if you are a man who does not have any of these qualities, you have no business getting married. Sounds harsh, but that is the biblical uh, standard of what a man should look like. Alright? The biblical standard of what a real man should look like. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper. I will make a helper who is just right for him. You see, man, God created man. Then he formed the woman. The woman. Both created in the image of God, but he created man. And then from man, he formed a woman. The woman is part of the man. The woman is made to fit. The woman is made to be right for him. Yeah? So it is very intentional. The creation of woman is very, very intentional. Because God, he only needs to have, ma- he only needs to have human beings. Am I right? It doesn't really matter. If all men also is okay, as long as they can relate to him. Correct? So it doesn't really matter if there's men or women, right? Am I right? But for the man, this man, it is not good for him to be alone. So for this man, God formed a woman. Can we understand? All right? So this is what happened. So now the woman, so the woman is designed and equipped to help the man fulfill God's assignment. At the end of the day, God's assignment for him 
would also become his assignment for her. That is the family unit. Okay, family unit. If you're a single, it's different. I'm talking about the family unit. Today, we're talking about families. We're talking about husband and wives. So, the woman is designed and equipped to help the man fulfill God's assignment. To fulfill God's vision for him. So, he has a vision of what they should do as a family. What God has put in his heart for the family. He has a vision. So, the woman is the man's helper. The woman is designed and equipped to help the man fulfill this, all right, in his life, to do, to pursue this vision. The woman should not be someone who comes to destroy what a man wants to do, what a man has set his heart to do for God. The woman should not come to destroy that. So you don't want to marry somebody whose sole purpose is to tell you what you should be doing with your life. Alright? That's her sole purpose. Now, I'm not saying that the woman cannot give suggestions. I will talk about that later. The woman is actually there to make the man better. Okay? That's, that's, that's part of her. That is part of her design. And I'll share that with you. So, f- for the women... While you're sitting down there, say, but the men, the men, no, no, listen, I'm coming to the woman, right? I'm coming. You don't know how important your role is. I'm telling you this. I've been married for 35 years. If not for this one, I would never be half the person I am today, right? Uh, She has been amazing, and I'm very thankful to God for her. You're writing notes for that as well. It's good. (laughs) So she is his helper, all right? She is his helper. Now listen, a helper does not run the show. All right? A helper does not run the show. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 24, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, I think, that the two will become one flesh. All right? Which means they say the two become one entity. Now, in any creature, any person, any body, there's only one head. If you've got two heads, you would look grotesque. Am I right? You would, you would look terrible if you've got two heads. So, a fully formed person, one, one flesh, all right, the two will become one. You must have one head. So, you cannot have two. So, this is the thing. The helper doesn't run the show. A wise woman would help her husband achieve. A good wife studies her husband. My wife does that a lot. She studies me. All right? And then she would get his vision. She would ask him questions. And yes, she would have suggestions. She would even say, okay, look, this is what I will do. She will go about trying to, getting, helping to make this happen. That is what the wife does. That is what the helper does. You know, we, I'm, of course, we see this on TV. It happens in real life. You see 
when the tables are turned. I, I know personally, even Christians, I've known personally, when the tables are turned and the wife kind of like take charge of everything and the husband is there and the husband will follow everything the wife says and the wife is the one who calls the shots. And so what happens, you see this husband males years later when they're old and they're bent over and they're grumbling all the way, the wife is walking ahead of them and they're walking over and grumbling and say, don't tell me what to do. You, I will put up the toilet seat if I want to. Who are you to tell me what to do? And, and the wife turns around and says, what are you saying? What are you talking about? Nothing, nothing. I'm not talking to you. You know, because he, 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 they're not. he doesn't dare to talk to his wife about these things. But the wife is the one who runs the show. And what happens is this. The wife then, because of the fact that she wants to rule, the marriage becomes dysfunctional. Because that is not her role. You know, we've seen this recently, even in Hollywood, right? Uh, you look at this couple and you know what happened recently. And it's because the wife kind of like prodded him. All right? And the wife kind of like, and so this man, even the wife has come out openly to say that she's having an affair and the man has to accept it. And she doesn't say that she's wrong. She kind of like blames him that she's not getting enough from the marriage. And the man has very meekly says, yes, yes, Will Smith has to be. It's ridiculous. And so he's kind of like, because of this, it's kind of like messed up his whole life. And the, the most recent news that's coming out of Hollywood is that they, she could be filing for a divorce. And Will Smith's career is destroyed in many ways. But this is what happens when the man doesn't play his role and the woman doesn't play her role. Yeah? Now in John chapter 14, very interestingly, Jesus says this, I will pray to the Father, He will send you, He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. Now that word helper is the same kind of word, alright? When God tells, when God says to Himself, I, it's not good for this man to be alone, I will make a helper for him, alright? And here Jesus says, I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper. The Holy Spirit is also called our helper. Last week we had Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. All right, uh, He is your comforter. He is your companion. He is your friend, your confidant. Yeah? Uh, he's all of that. But the Holy Spirit does not come and take over your life. He doesn't force you to give in. He only does what He's allowed to do. Isn't that true? Yes, He's God, but He respects the fact that when God, when God created us, God gave us a will. So the Holy Spirit doesn't force Himself onto us. He only does what we allow Him to do. The day we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. Pentecost Sunday, we remember when the Spirit came to clothe us, came upon us. That is another experience, all right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that happen, happens not upon invitation anymore. Salvation happens upon invitation. We invite Jesus into our hearts and Jesus sends His Spirit to indwell us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we, not invite, we yield and we surrender. 
and then the Spirit takes over. The Spirit only does as much as we would allow Him to. Sweep over my soul is a very old song. Sweep over my soul, sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. It's about asking God, I surrender to you, you take over. And then the Spirit invades and He takes over. But not unless we let Him. So sometimes when people say, pray, pray for the Holy Spirit to come, that you would have more of the Spirit of God. That's the wrong concept. It's not that we get more of the Spirit of God. The day we receive Jesus, the Spirit comes. He doesn't come in bits and pieces. He comes. He's a person. He comes and He indwells us. It's all of Him. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God gets more of us. Not that we get more of Him, but that He gets more of us because we yield. All right? We surrender. So He comes to indwell. He wants he wants to lead us. He wants to, to, to give us everything that He has. But we have to let Him. So, if you let Him, the Holy Spirit makes us better. If we let Him, He makes us better. If we let Him, He will inspire us. If we let Him, He will empower us so that we can do things that we can't do on our own. All right, that we cannot do on our own. Now listen, why am I talking about the Holy Spirit suddenly? Is the topic suddenly changed? No. This is, what, this is why I'm talking about this, because this is also the role of the man's helper, the wife. If we allow her to. So the man is not there to dominate. He's there to lead but not dominate. All right? But when... We are there as partners, and so when we allow the wife to, the wife's role is to make the man better. The wife's role is to inspire the man. The wife's role is to empower the man so that we can do things that we could not do without our wives. You know, there are some things, of course, I know I have strength, but some things I'm terrible at, which my wife is excellent all right, she's very organized. She's uh, very systematic. All right? Um, and if I didn't have her, I would be a thorough mess. Right? She makes me better. 35 years of this, she makes me better. She makes me better. All right? Now, why are you not there to... Uh, listen, uh, wives, you're not there to nag. You're there to inspire. You're there to empower. All right? Uh, you know, when we got married, there was this... Uh, those days, we had very few Christian videographers, you know. Nowadays, uh, you, many of you got married, Leon, Joel, Ivan. When you all got married, you had Christian videographers. It's so much easier. They understand what's happening. When we got married, no Christian videographers. We had to get one secular guy who knew nothing about the church setup and all that. And so, when we finally got our wedding video, we were so excited. Ooh, that time videos, huh? Ooh, video, we will see all, all that. So we turned around. This guy thought it would be such a help to drown the church music, which was those days, organ, drown the church music with his own music because it sounds a bit more modern, it's a bit better. And so we have this wedding video 
my bride walks down the aisle and she was looking absolutely stunning. I was standing there looking very bashful. And then the music, and then we heard the music on the video. You know what's the music? Beatles Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. As my wife walks, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they are here to stay. Oh, I. Our wedding video. It's true. I'm not even making this up. But if you get it right, church, the wedding and the marriage, the wedding is just a day. The marriage can be a heaven on earth because you have God's blueprint. And you follow God's blueprint, you cannot go wrong. I'm not saying you won't have any trouble. I'm not saying you won't have misunderstanding. I'm not saying you won't have disappointments and all that. Oh yeah, all that will be there. But it will still be a heaven on earth. Now, I was just telling my wife, I think a couple of years ago, can you imagine we've been married longer than we've ever been single? I can't imagine it, but the years have flown. And you know what they say? Time flies when you're having fun, right? But that's what a good marriage is like. Time flies when you're having fun. You see, again, we talked about the woman's role. The man, if the man knows what he's called to do and he does it, the woman thrives. I notice this, all right, uh, even in our marriage. When I do what I'm supposed to do, when I love my wife the way I'm supposed to love, when I talk to my wife the way I'm supposed to talk, when I tend to my wife the way I'm supposed to tend to her, when I do the right things, my wife responds in a way that blows me. All right? And I feel so inspired, I feel so energetic, you know, like suddenly a rush, of, a rush of new life and energy because of the way she responds. But when I neglect her, when I do the things I'm not supposed, when I don't do the things I'm supposed to do, okay, I won't say when I do the things I'm not supposed to do, when I don't do the things I'm supposed to do, it kind of like saps out even her energy. And so um, you, you suddenly find... <coughs> Then you've got to do something else. Come dear, I take you out for a date. Or I kind of do something for you. And then the thing, you know, and then what you do, you breathe life into this again. These are things that we have to do. So if the man knows what he's called to do, and he does it, the woman actually thrives because she draws from the man. All right? She draws from the man. So but when a woman is determined to push her own plans there will be a breakdown. There will be dysfunction. Okay? The woman is supposed to, as I said, she, she comes loaded, ready to help. So if you're doing nothing, the woman cannot help you to do nothing. Can you understand? If you're doing nothing, the woman can't help you to do nothing. She comes loaded and ready to help. But when the man is doing something and knows what it is God has called him and the family to do, the woman will thrive. However, when a woman is obsessed with her own things 
and tells the man to forget his plans, forget his vision, forget his dreams, and follow hers. That is usurping the man's authority as given by God. And it also short-circuits God's divine design for the family. The woman, if you please, needs to submit to the man's, the vision that God has given the man. That is the divine design, okay? The woman submits to the vision that God gives the man. Because why? They are one flesh. They are one. So you cannot have two separate visions, two separate, you know, you can't do that. Alright? That doesn't happen. You see, the word D means two. Okay? D means two. And of course, if you have two different visions, what happens? What happens with two visions? You put the D together with the vision, you get division. You see that? You get division. And that's a recipe for divorce. Because there are two separate agendas for one person, okay? One entity. So it doesn't work this way. So in the end, this is the thing, okay? Listen very carefully. The husband in the Christian family, in the kingdom family, the husband models himself after Christ, right? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And this is what Christ did, we read. So the husband's job is to replicate, is to model himself after the love of Christ for the church. And so the husband models himself after Christ. Meaning to say that your, that your bride, is, your bride's good is more important than yours. That's what happened to Christ, right? He was willing, we, we, we broke bread today and we took, partic participated in the Lord's Supper. The Lord did this. The Lord did this. He gave His body up. He allowed His body to be torn. He allowed His blood to be spilled for the sake of His bride. In the Garden of Eden, if it's possible, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, He submitted. Because why? The good of His bride is more important than His own comfort. So, the husband models himself after Christ. So it's not that you plan a fishing trip on her birthday. No, don't do that. Alright? Don't, don't get her a treadmill for her anniversary. Don't do that. You will do what you know would build her. What you know would get her happy and keep us happy, keep, keep her contented. You will do whatever it takes. So the husband models himself after Christ. But listen, the wife, she models herself after the Holy Spirit. Alright? She inspires. She doesn't force. But when you let her, she will make you so much better. If you let her, your marriage becomes so much more fulfilling. See, this is the model of the Christian family. And if you were sitting down there thinking, oh, so we are all second class, ah, 
the husband first class, la, the husband is the boss. No, listen. Christ and the Holy Spirit are co-equal. Am I correct? Am I right? They are partners, co-equal. One is not bigger than the other. Alright? We believe in the Trinity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, they are three in one, all co-equal. But the roles are different. Christ baptizes us with His Spirit. It doesn't mean that Christ is bigger. God the Father sends His Son. It doesn't mean that God the Father is the one that both the Father and Son are. No. They are all equal. So the husband and the wife are partners. Co-equal. It's just the roles. And when the roles are played right, the family thrives. The marriage comes alive and the marriage begins to pulsate with life and the marriage begins to inspire it will spill over and begin to inspire other people as well the family the family is almost as I can put it it's like a business alright you put all your resources there are no plan B yeah, by the way you put all your resources into this to make it work. You put all your resources to make it work. And even when the going gets tough, and there are times when it will, because at the end of the day, while we talk about modeling ourselves after Jesus, modeling self the Holy Spirit, we are still frail people with our own weaknesses, which we are also learning, right? So our, our spouse, the spouse is the best person to tell you where you go wrong, huh? by the way. Because they won't have any qualms about telling you where you went wrong. But you know when they tell you, it's because they love you. And they want you to do better. Because when you do better, they thrive. Alright? When you do better, they thrive. And when they thrive, you become even better. Because then she also starts to play her role. It's, it's, it's really a partnership. It's really a partnership. And so we start off this month with this topic on the husband and wife. I, I mean, there are some married couples here, a number of you. Some of you are considering marriage. Some of you are already engaged. Some of you have just got married. Some of you have been married for a lot of years, a lot of years. But you know, when you get it right, there's no place like home. No place at all. One of the things I told Joel and Ethan at their wedding, some of you were there, some of you were not there. I said, "My, if I have a, one wish that I could make for you, I wish that your marriage would be as fulfilling, as fun, and as wonderful as the one that I enjoy with Flora. It's not that we are perfect or we made so many mistakes, all right? Uh, but if you get it right if you get it right it's nothing like home I want your heads to be bowed if you're married today husband and wives I want you to I hope you're next to your wife I want you to hold your wife's hand just hold her hand. I want you to 
give that assurance to your wife that she means the world to you. Alright? I want you to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. To think of your wife before you even think of yourself. If you're someone who's contemplating marriage, let me tell you, God has, if God, seek God for the, for the person of God's choice. I, I, I know that some people say there's not one person just for you because if that's the case, the whole world is messed up already. And yes, I agree with that. But I'm saying that God would lead you to the right person. All right? Because when you get the right person, a man found in the presence of God, that is where you find your man. You find your man in God's presence. That's where he can be found. Anybody outside of that is not the man for you. And men, if you really are not married and looking to get married, you must be found in the presence of God. You must be listening to God's assignment for you and pursuing it with all your heart. Because the right woman will find you there. Not in the pub. Not in the coffee house. Not in the office. There. In your own personal Eden. That's where she finds you. Father, I come to you. I thank you so much that marriage was your idea. Thank you so much for instituting this wonderful thing called marriage. Because you knew it was not good for a man to be alone. And so you made for man a helper that is suitable, that fits, that, that would inspire him, that would encourage him, that would build him, that would make him better. And Lord, we want to thank you for our wives. Thank you, O God, for them. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. And I thank you, O God, that you've used them so much to make us better. You've used them so much to inspire us. You've used them in many ways. Lord, we thank you for our husbands. We thank you for those, for, for our husbands who love us, who provide for us, who protect us. Lord, we pray that as men, we would always be found in your presence. As men, we would be found there. We would be found pursuing the vision and the calling that you have over our lives. As wives, Lord, we pray that you would help us, that we would chip in to make the vision and the calling come true, become, uh, come, full, become, uh, come to fruition. So that this family, our family, my family, would bring you honour, would bring you glory. That the spillover effects would be that others from the outside looking in would want to know the secret of our marriage. And that we can only turn and point to you and say, God has the blueprint. And Jesus has already been my, is my model. This is what it's about. And we'll be able to talk about you and testify of you and point to you so that others would, know, would come to know you and would know that you have the answer for every aspect of our lives. So Lord, I want to pray for your blessing over every married couple, every home. I pray for your blessing over those who are also praying for 
for partners in their lives. I pray that Lord, you would first of all give them peace. And secondly, Lord, I just pray right now that Lord, you would start to prepare them for a person of your choice. You would prepare them. And Lord, I just pray, oh God, for those who are here who may not have, who may not be married and may may not be uh, may not be in a relationship. I pray, oh God, that you'd also give them the, 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 the strength of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Lord that would overflow. Knowing, oh God, just as we sang earlier, Christ is enough. That that would be our experience as well. That we are able to draw from you. To know that you have good plans for us. Whether to be married or to stay single, your plans are always good plans. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. Would you bless everyone who's standing in your presence, those who are online as well, standing in their rooms. I pray for your blessing. I pray, oh God, that we would step into your favor for our own lives. And all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you all.